reading from the Gospel according to John. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides in you and he will be in you. I said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father has sent in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We could all use a dose of Jesus' peace right now. His gracious gift of well-being. His reminder that he is with us always. He's with us even when he's not visibly present. He's speaking even if we're more accustomed to hearing audible voices. Jesus is at work, even when the work isn't seen plainly. The Holy Spirit helps us with those things. Today is Pentecost, the day we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit. Typically, our Pentecost services focus on that reading from Acts, a story about the wild scene with fire and and wind, ancient Languages from across the time and across the known world. The Spirit's outrageous bursting into the disciples' lives. It's a powerful story, a familiar story, if not a familiar experience. Our experience with the Holy Spirit has been more muted. Maybe we could use a little more fire and wind. But then again, maybe God gives us what we're prepared for to receive. We've not been in training for that kind of commotion. That's just an observation, not a judgment. I've been around you people for a while. I've rarely heard you speak in tongues. When you have, it's been German, Spanish. We've heard some Latin sung, Korean, French. The tongue you've used almost exclusively has been English, which has helped me. You've used it to say things of God. 
And then you've lived your lives in ways that gave credibility to the things you've said. How a person lives greatly influences how a person is heard. You might hear a pithy quote and respect it. Whether you know anything about the speaker or not, the the words move you or challenge you, even if the life of the one who said the words is not known to you. But the words that mean most to most of us are the words that are said by the persons who have earned our love and respect. Not just for saying wise things cleverly, but for living good things well. In our scripture, Jesus tells stories, gives commands, says memorable and incredible words, but the gospel writers did not leave our faith to the words that Jesus said. They described what he did, how he lived. They showed us who he was through both his words and his deeds. Jesus himself affirms this method. Believe, he says, believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you can't believe because of what I say, then believe because of what I The Holy Spirit comes around, not only in wind and and flame, but also in the reading and hearing of what Jesus said. What He did in Galilee, Jericho, Jerusalem, and beyond. The Spirit is actively working to keep that before us, to keep that in us, so that our lives will reflect, reflect Jesus' life. The Spirit helps us take in what He said and did, so that we'll know it here and here, and show it here, and out there. The Holy Spirit wants us to be able to offer what we have been offered. Believe me, when I say I believe what I'm saying about Jesus is true, but if you don't believe me because of what I say, then believe me because of what I say. It's a bold claim, isn't it? But then we serve a bold Lord. He's the one, not me. Jesus is the one who said, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. If you're looking for the individual who has accomplished that, Allow me to disappoint you. You won't find him or her. What Jesus said is true, not because a single person who got it all right, but because of the billions of people who following him have done good in his name, because they have heard his words and seen his life and lived in ways that reflect his light and life to this world. A portion of those billions are in this room today. You are people who have embodied Jesus' teachings and examples so much that you made it your mission. Years ago, we discovered as a council that no one, including the people who took the time to write up this old mission statement, could remember what the old mission statement was. It was time for a new one, a simpler one that we could actually recite. 
We knew that a mission statement needs to reflect the culture of the people who speak it and it needs to reflect the aspirations they have. We discussed that this church is one that desires to love God and love neighbor and we were well on our way to putting that down when someone in the council said, that's good, but not enough. Let's be clearer. We need Jesus in there. There are a lot of people and things we can follow. Our church wants to follow Jesus. And with that, we had it. A mission that statement that both reflected who we were and who we aspire to be. And I'm here to tell you, you will never outgrow your mission statement. To follow Jesus by loving God and loving neighbor. You will always be working to perfect it. So will I. I'll certainly count the years we've worked together on it as a tremendous gift in my life, in our family's lives. And it's not just the four Malambries that you are used to seeing on a regular basis. It means the whole group of us, our parents, siblings, aunts, uncles, nieces, nephews, I thought the biggest hurdle I had already overcome when I told our, Sally and our children that we would be moving, and then I had to tell the rest, and I didn't realize I had not prepared myself for the reaction. They love you people. They're going to miss you. I hope you'll be nice to them when they come back here, even though we're not here anymore. We've all appreciated the way Central's broad mission has been lived out in the particulars. The music here has helped us to love God and has been a great gift to neighbor. And here and in the well, my mind has often been overly focused on whatever the next task was before me, whatever I had to do next when that music would come in and interrupt me and put me right back where I needed to be or took me to a place where I could not go on my own, where we could not go by ourselves. We've gone to remarkable places together. We've done amazing things by God's Spirit. Out of self-preservation, I've resisted the urge to go through all those remember winds that have been flooding back to me the last few months. At annual conference, however, I had the need to go through far more emails than I want to tell you. Way back, seven years worth of, of work to deal with. And as I went through those, it helped me to remember the good and faithful ministry that we've been part of together. Work like creating a new worship experience for our church and our community. Work like supporting and growing our missions, making sure that we had people taking the love of God to Costa Rica and Fairfield County, to homes in North Florence and a parking lot in East Florence, before long, a prison in Turbeville. I was reminded of the countless studies that you led or participated in, being more, becoming more knowledgeable and more faithful in the process. I, I thought about the meals we've shared, the fellowship that has been so important, how it's helped us to know each other better and usually to love each other more. I thought about how eagerly and joyfully you embraced the Sea Unity events. And how through those, our sisters and brothers at Cumberland Church became more than friends. 
we've realized we share more than a parking lot and a denomination. I've given thanks this week once again for how quickly and fully Reverend Cattenhead became your pastor. Now his family embraced this church family and this church family embraced them and, and we've been family together. As I went through those emails wearing out the delete button, I got a sense of which staff members and clergy colleagues email me the most. I thought about leaning over and warning my friend Thomas about who those might be. I also thought about what amazing colleagues they've been, friends. They've done their work faithfully, tirelessly, well acts of devotion to God and this church. They've looked for ways to help one another, to help me, and they found them often. Not all the frequent emails came from staff members. I think a primary reason that Johnny Crouch accepted the call to go and lead another church was to get out of meetings here. The time that he and others put into the long-range building committee and the preschool expansion were considerable. And the results are and will be fantastic. Even now, there's no happier sound to me than walking down the preschool hall and hearing a merry monkey or a friendly frog or three- and four-year-olds call out after they took their finger off their lips. Hey, Pastor Will. It's a joy. Thanks to a remodeled children's hallway in a building that you were willing to put our name on, a name I wasn't sure you knew how to spell. (laughs) Willing to put our name on it before I died or retired. In that new space, remodeled space, and with a significantly reduced debt load, those children, those friendly frogs and merry monkeys can grow into a space here where they will be welcomed and learn and grow. And and one day they will uh, occupy a newly remodeled youth space. And one day they'll have their choice between a beautiful sanctuary and a beautiful, dedicated well space to worship in. I went through those emails and some of them were about coordinating baptisms and confirmations and, and weddings and funerals. And I thought about how you have invited me into most significant moments in your life. No higher gift. Such an honor. There have been occasions in our family's life that you have been part of. You've been concerned about parts of our lives. You've prayed for parts of our lives. You've celebrated with us at times. You've loved us. You've been so generous to us. Sally said recently, there cannot be a more generous church than Central. Probably not. I keep saying we and us because you have loved our family and recognize that ministry affects all of us. As I've become increasingly aware over these years, my attempts at ministry will be significantly diminished without the support of my family. 
Sally, Mac, Anna Gray, and Duke have helped me more than I know how to express. I'm grateful you've recognized that too. Thank you for being incredibly good to our family. And good to serve alongside. And good to lead. It's part of your legacy. One of the reasons this church is so desirable to pastors across the conference is because of your reputation to respect and support and trust your clergy leadership. Because of the way that you are known to want them to lead you into loving God and loving neighbor and following Jesus well. The neighbor has included your pastors. You've loved us well and you'll continue to. You will love Thomas, Ellen, Harper, and Kirksey, and they will love you. And I will love knowing that you are loving one another. the last Friday of school, about ten days ago, it hit me that that would be the last occasion I could walk one of my children to school. For the last ten years, we've lived in a place, and they went to a school in a place where we could walk occasionally together. So I was lamenting that. Anna Gray wisely responded, be glad we had those ten years. We might have had no walks. As Sally, Mac, Anna Gray, and I come to terms with the end of these wonderful years we've experienced, I'm heeding Anna Gray's wisdom. Rather than grieve what's over, I'm giving thanks for what has been. We could have had no ministry together. We could have had less ministry together. We could have had worse ministry together. We could have missed out on the Spirit's gifts. Those gifts I'll treasure most. The love, joy, and peace we've offered to one another. We could have not had each other. Generous God, it is your way to give us more than we need. When we needed a sense of Jesus' presence, you gave us more than memories. You gave us the Holy Spirit. When we were sorting out how to follow Jesus and love you and love neighbor, your spirit swept in to give us courage and passion and determination and joy in service. You inspired us. 
Continue to inspire this faithful congregation, Holy Spirit. Pour into them all that they need so that they may continue to fulfill your mission for them. I thank you for how you have fulfilled it through them in our lives. They have loved us well and shown us what it looks like to love you and to follow Jesus. We will never forget. Lord, we pray your blessings this day on Thomas, Ellen, Harper, and Kirksey. Help them in their goodbyes and as they prepare to come to Central to lead and love, to be led and be loved. Bless their ministry with Central Church. And bless us all to know and share love, joy, and peace. For these things we ask with grateful hearts. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.